It's hard to believe I've been in the spoiler room for three years, yet here we are. As I look at my crew, I begin to think about what to do for our third special series of episodes. Then I look at the calendar and realize it's the third week of the month. And I look down at my drink and realize it's the third drink I've had today. After a moment, it hits me like a fist of John Wick. Everyone talks about the first film, but what about the third film in a franchise? So, pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in to our third special series of episodes I like to call Third Time's a Charm. It's the Spoiler Room, third time's a charm episode. Yes, it's our special series that we're doing this year where we're looking at the third film in a movie franchise. I know it's a little odd, but that's the way we are here at Special Mark Productions and the Spoiler Room. And tonight, down in the Spoiler Room, sitting with me to discuss this animated film are a couple of great crew members. First off, the diva of the Spoiler Room, we've got Dawn. Hello, Dawn. Good evening, gentlemen. Hope you're uh, ready to talk some animation here. And I hope so, too. <laughs> next to Don is the bowtie man himself. It is Mr. Paul Salzer. Hello, Paul. Uh, hello, Mark. How are you? I'm doing well. Hope uh, you're feeling at least a little bit better. Uh, I've got a little bit of a frog in my throat, but other than that, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that frog uh, will die during our show. Just like <laughs> <laughs> you like my little segue there. Just like uh, the <laughs> new father-in-law of Shrek, King Harold in Shrek the Third. yourself a pair of jammies. Donkey! Oh, how you go? Some people just don't understand boundaries. Ready? Okay! The story continues. Will Shrek become the new king of Far, Far Away? Whoa! Yeah, wow. Will Donkey ever be the same? I've been abracadabbered into a fancy feasting second-rate sidekick! Donkey? I feel all exposed and nasty! What are rich, spoiled princesses wearing this season? Hey, how's it going? And what's the one thing every fairy tale villain wants to know? You! You can't lie. Where is Shrek? You don't know where Shrek is? On the contrary! So you do know where he is? I'm possibly more or less not definitely rejecting the idea that I undeniably do or do not know where he shouldn't probably be. If that indeed wasn't where he isn't. Find out the answers to these and other burning questions. Ah! In DreamWorks, Shrek the Third. I think that went pretty well. Oh no. King Harold falls ill and Shrek is looked 
to as being the heir for the land of far, far and away. Not one to give up his beloved swamp, Shrek recruits his friend Donkey and Puss in Boots to install the rebellious Artie as the new king. Princess Fiona, however, rallies a band of royal girlfriends to fend off a coup d'etat by the jilted Prince Charming. Yes, this is the third film. They got all the original cast back, added more characters to the Shrek universe. And oh, wow. Okay, so let's let's get into this real quick. First off, Paul, we'll start with you. Your impression uh, when you saw Shrek the third. It was different than the first in the series. I think tonally, especially, it just felt like a different type of film. It's like they were trying to... Uh, they still had some of the similar themes from the original movies, you know, how they took uh, certain perceptions and turned it upside down. But I think for the most part, that that whole focus on the fatherhood thing really made it a, an entirely different story for me. And I'm kind of on the fence right now on whether or not I, I liked it or not liked it. So well, again, it's a third one in a franchise. And if sequels are tough, the third film's even tougher to try to sell. Usually, uh, Don, how about you? Now, you just recently watched this, correct? I did. I watched it <clears throat> last night and I messaged you and said, you know, mm -hmm. I thought I had seen it, but apparently I hadn't seen it. But as, as the movie went on, I realized that, yeah, I, I do re definitely did remember parts of it, and it was just unfortunately not that memorable. Um, <laughs> part of the problem is, as Paul said, it was so totally different from the uh, previous two movies, and in a way that I... It, I really noticed the focus being taken away from the first movie was really about perception, right? About uh, judging people about challenging concepts, concepts of beauty and concepts of, of good and bad and ogre can be good and awesome and beautiful. You know, you don't have to be blonde and slender and pretty to be well, the traditional concept of pretty to be beautiful. And in this one in Shrek the Third, we're going back to, oh, you know, the emphasis is on the king. The king is dying, so Shrek is the new king, but he doesn't want to be. He wants to be an ogre. But the themes are no longer challenging. They're just your basic fairy tale crap. <laughs> this one, I, I watched these again. Well, first Shrek I really loved. I, I really enjoyed Shrek, and I watched that many times, and we watched it with my kids uh, when they were younger because they were growing up young, and that was one of those movies where if you watched it repeatedly, you know, it, it didn't get too tiresome because it was that entertaining, and the second one was entertaining. I watched rewatched that again before watching this one, and watching this one, it is a different film. It's got a different feel completely to it. Uh, you know, and it is cool that they got the original cast back. I mean, Mike Myers doing Shrek, Eddie Murphy, Donkey, you know, Fiona is Cameron Diaz, Antonio Banderas, who surprised us in the second one with as Puss in Boots, and who eventually got his own spinoff, I think, after this one or after number four. Um, everybody forgets that Antonio Banderas has a really funny bone, a good funny bone in him. 
Uh, and actually, I think he was one of the the better characters in this film. Uh, and then you get a couple of Monty Python characters in here uh, doing voices. John Cleese did the voice of the king, while Eric Idle did uh, the voice of Merlin, which if you're going to do a story about Artie, a.k.a. King Arthur, you got to have Merlin, right? Uh, only the Merlin in here is quite different. You know, Shrek tracks Artie down to his high school and uh, we'll get to Merlin in a minute. But first, let's let's talk about the setup because they did it in far, far away where it was kind of Hollywood. And then they moved to uh, medieval high school. And Don, did that work for you? How did you feel about the high school s- setup with it? Did that really feel forced? Yeah, it really did. It was, I mean, it was, it was, it was forced. I think it was intended to be forced and awkward because you were supposed to feel that. I just don't think it worked. Yeah. I mean, I know, I, I, I get that it was intentional. It, it was supposed to evoke that awkward feeling. It just didn't work. Yeah. It, I wasn't feeling it either. I was hoping, uh, you know, I think it would have worked more had they maybe went a college angle with it, but doing it high school seemed to be just a little too, uh, I don't know what, what it is. Yeah. It it just forced Uh, Paul. What about you with uh, Worcester high school? I think, (laughs) I think it did need to be in the high school level instead of college, because I think for most of us, college was a great, time to explore and and become who you are high school not so much so it was Mm -hmm. all about social groups and you know you got all the like oh my god like ew that sort (laughs) of type uh and i think the high school setting for me was perfectly fine uh but uh like dawn said it was kind of overdone uh and the surprise factor that they were trying to do where they had uh already introduced but not really introduced you knew right away because it was like from the first first two movies, you knew that, oh, that it's not going to be the one that you think it is. It's going to be the guy that that totally got dissed. And sure enough, it was him. So it, it kind of is like, oh, yeah, the movie's starting to get familiar to me. And, and I think that's why this whole the whole scene of the high school didn't play out as well as it as they had wanted to. Well, the thing <laughs> is what they were going for. And we've seen it, especially, you know everybody here you've seen that same high school story a lot (laughs) growing up in the 80s to the 90s that high school story was beating a dead horse so seeing it again it was just like for me compared to kind of the more oh go ahead and they all built that city on rock and roll yeah Yeah, and so maybe they were trying to go back to the 80s high school feel for it because they're always trying to play off the retro feel. I guess for me, it didn't just quite work, maybe because we've seen it so much that I was hoping for something a little fresh take. But instead, this time around, they actually went with the basic tropes of Artie being the social outcast in that, Um, which leads us, of course, to Merlin, as I mentioned earlier, voiced by Eric Idle. And <laughs> Merlin, though, he's not your standard wizard, Mr. New Age man here. Paul, uh, yeah, how'd you feel they handled Merlin? 
Oh, I, I, I enjoy Eric Idle. And so having him be the voice of, of Merlin, this all-powerful wizard thing, and, and to find out the reason why he is in the situation he is, is because, you know, he just kind of flaked out and had a nervous wreck, you know? That, that I could totally relate to. Not that I would have a nervous breakdown and stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I totally loved his character and i loved how he was even nervous about helping them because he was like uh, you know that type of the thing and, and i just enjoyed that that uh reluctancy to to help and and it, it actually took um Artie's kind of speech to get him to keep moving and and i enjoyed that i i it also made Artie seem like oh yeah he he does have that leadership quality that he's going to need if he's going to be king. So I thought that scene with him uh, and Merlin was just very, very necessary in the film. So I was glad they had it. Yeah, I I was glad. I mean, Merlin was kind of a refreshing, cool (laughs) character with Artie being that cliche high school student, you know, and the kind of more cliche high school setting. It was Merlin's take, the take, their take on Merlin was a lot fresher. And I I liked that quite a bit. How about you, Don, with Merlin? I was, I was very torn on Merlin. There were aspects that I definitely liked. I mean, I, I just kept giggling at the, the challenge, the, the, the apparent problem he had with wearing pants or anything <laughs> that covered him below mid thigh. Um, that, that just had me giggling. I, I assume a lot of, a um, lot of characters in this film have that problem though. <laughs> yeah. They really don't like pants. No. Um, the problem I had um, as much as I did like the scenes that Paul had mentioned was even, even the first time seeing it, I, I got this Miracle Max vibe. Oh, yeah. And and I'm like, God, you know, is it incidental? Is it on purpose? I'm really having a Miracle Max vibe here. So I, I'm really torn on that. Yeah. And at all, even though Merlin was extremely entertaining, and I, too, I'm a fan of Eric Idle, because who isn't? Who isn't? Though, uh, odd little side note trivia, he almost sued the makers of Shrek the Third. Whoa. Because in the very beginning, we have Prince Charming, who we've seen has been whittled down. He's doing stage plays there to reenact his uh, supposed rescue of Fiona, which is all bubkiss. But they have a guy off stage using coconuts for the sound of the horse. Oh, right. <laughs> and they did not. Which, which I find entertaining um, because you know, they've been using that particular technique since way before the holy grail (laughs) well yeah and that's why you know the trivia it was in the wiki in that so you know how true this could be i'm i'm not sure but apparently there were talks by eric idol that he may actually they had thought about possibly suing him for infringement because that's just they didn't ask to use that shtick and that was you know out of monty python um except it really wasn't (laughs) no it wasn't you're right i mean that's your point yeah it wasn't actually out of monty python but i just get i find the i think i guess it would be irony uh i'm not very good with vocabulary but uh that eric idol the monty python guy who's in the movie is would think of suing the movie for using one of his shticks (laughs) It's just like, oh, come on, guys, really? It would be a great way to 
get out of that whole suing thing. It's like, hey, wouldn't you like a part in the film? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kidding, right? Yeah, that, that could be. They Maybe they tried. That was the angle they were trying to go for. I'm not sure. But um, meanwhile, while Shrek is out and about and he's venturing out there to find Artie to bring him back, uh, there's trouble at the castle. Uh, just before Shrek left, he was notified he was going to be a dad. So Fiona's uh, pregnant and we get to meet the princesses or the prince I or uh, <laughs> 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 and, um, sorry I couldn't resist I apologize <laughs> but uh, I want a shirt with that on it the prince I <laughs> the prince I <laughs> Um, so like every Shrek movie, we do get introduced to newer characters because uh, they're trying to keep things fresh. And in here, while they were hinted at in the second one, we get to meet the other uh, princesses of the kingdom, namely Rapunzel, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, and Snow White. Dawn, how'd you feel? What, did you like these characters? Was it fun seeing them on screen and, and portrayed all together in the same world? I didn't expect to, but I actually did. Mm -hmm. And what did you like? Did you like how their characters were written with with uh, their uh, their you know their characteristics <laughs> playing it, off of what you know, you know the, the way they were written in their fairy tales, but not quite. Uh, yeah, I they they did just enough of a slant to keep it fresh, and to mock themselves. And and uh, again, I wasn't expecting to like them. I, I didn't anticipate liking them at all. And I really was entertained, especially, especially and the, at the big storming the castle scene. Oh, when, yeah, because uh, Prince Charming has used the villains at this point to take over the castle and he locks up all the princesses in uh, prison and he has this big plan to big, a huge stage play and actually kill the real Shrek on stage. And so, yeah, and the princesses escape with the help of the queen, who is voiced yep. by Julie Andrews. <laughs> and the queen uses her head to bust out of jail. Uh, they they really came up with some interesting uses, uh, with some interesting things. I mean, um, Snow White using her voice to sing Barracuda. Oh, oh my God. To, was... to, get the, to get the animals to attack, using narcolepsy as a war tool. I think it's the first time ever narcolepsy was actually used as a as a proper tool. <laughs> but yeah, it, it worked well. I liked the storming the castle bit with the princesses uh, and them, uh, you know, kind of not waiting for the princes to save them. Uh, I, I thought that was a nice angle. And that that felt that section in there felt kind of more towards like the original tone, didn't it, Paul? Yes, definitely. Uh, the storming of the castle, having having the princesses, prince I, uh, prince, <laughs> prince, now you got me all wondering. <laughs> it's, it's princesses, I think. Yes, princesses. Uh, the, having them rescue themselves was definitely uh, something I enjoyed. Uh, I didn't enjoy their characters at the beginning because I thought they were uh, too mocking. Mm -hmm. uh, I am kind of a a softy and I'm going to sound misogynistic about this, but I enjoy the fairy tale type, the thing, you know, having, having the great hero and the, and the, and the, you know, saving somebody princess wise or 
uh, I enjoy those type of stories. And so when I was first introduced to these characters that were kind of poo-pooing on that whole vision, I was kind of upset until the whole, hey, we're going to rescue ourselves uh, scene. And that, to me, changed it for me. It was like, if they didn't do that, I would have not liked these characters. But the whole the whole aspect of we're going to free ourselves and the, having the queen literally use her head to get out <laughs> of a situation was perfect. I was like, I get it now. I know what you're trying to do. And and then uh, I think what really like cemented it for me uh-huh. was, was having, uh, I think it was the Cinderella character doing the immigrant song. And, oh, and having, Snow White. Was it Snow White that was doing yeah. that? Okay. And, yes, and having yes. that, that was just amazingly that 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 scene was uh was fantastic and just it made it made my heart start to thump, and and so from that point on it was like okay, I'm I'm gonna like these characters now. I didn't at first. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I I loved how I really enjoyed when they took the angle and. Uh, played it off of yeah you're gonna wait for a prince to come around and save you no we're saving ourselves and then they used their abilities and yet that again and that felt like the spirit of the first two especially the first one where it turned the expectations on its head as far as taking these characters and putting them in a different situation than you're expecting to see them in and be successful in it you know, it, it, and yet also have it make sense. I mean, yeah, the narcolepsy part was great because she just passed out in front of the guards to trip them. And I'm just like, okay, so that's what she's doing. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I, I love that whole. And even the fact that uh, one of them ends up betraying the group as well, I thought was an interesting twist. I didn't uh, like that. I didn't like that at all. You didn't like Rapunzel? No. What, what didn't you like about that? Because again, it comes back from my whole. I have I have this special place where where you know these these characters of my past. I, I believe that they fit a certain mold, and I know I shouldn't do that. You know, I, I it's it's a modern world; people change. But uh, I just I thought you know, and, and I kept thinking about Tangled, and it's like this this is not this is not the same Rapunzel. Why? why? <laughs> Why are you doing this? It's like why, why, and and it just oh. didn't hurt me. Wrong with being a traditionalist and liking your traditional stories. Oh, well, thank you. I, I feel better now. Wrong with okay, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. That you're yeah. a fairy tale snob. We got it. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> well, I was hoping that she would redeem herself or something. You know, it's just come on, come on, just turn it around, make it. But no, they stuck to their guns. Darn them all. Darn them all. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I like I, I, I like that though that there was it was turned around because um you know you are you're, you're sitting there you're going, hopefully what it's like they've got a half hour yet to this film and they're already storming the castle. What the heck? Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> of course they're thwarted because they're betrayed and Merlin gets shrekking them back and we we do have the sidekicks still with Donkey, who is still, I think, tolerable in this. Uh, Eddie Murphy is funny as Donkey. He really gets in this role in Puss in Boots. And they end up switching places, <laughs> which I thought was was kind of hubris in that. And it, at least they didn't run with that shtick too long, I don't think. Um, which Which is interesting because 
for the way this film plays out, this feels a lot straighter than the other two films. Would you say, Don, that that this film, as far as because the other one felt like, you know, joke kind of quick quips and everything and little visuals. And this one, I don't know, it, not only tone, but didn't just feel more like a little bit more of a straight fairy tale story rather than a, a kind of Perry ha ha laugh or am I off? It, it just didn't feel quite like I, over comical. Maybe, like the other ones. but I'm, I'm maybe, but I think a lot of the jokes simply didn't work. Oh, maybe like that there was that whole, sh- and there, there was that whole shtick when Shrek was following Artie and he was trying to talk, you know, modern slang or modern ish. Oh yeah. Slang. And he was doing it badly and he was doing the, uh, uh-huh. whatever the hell else he was saying. And I'm too Midwestern to yeah. do street talk. Um, but he was doing that whole shtick and I'm just like, that's not even funny. What the heck? Mm-hmm. But I, I think that some of the jokes simply just weren't funny. A little mm-hmm. bit too niche a little bit too contemporary a lot more pop culture for the time than the previous two i would say uh and there was that reference but not nearly they kept it more fairy tale reference it felt like in the first two maybe i'm just you know off on that paul how about you with with some of the jokes in that did this just feel not quite as humorous as the previous two I, I agree uh, that it wasn't as humorous, and I think it might have been kind of their way of showing that that um, Shrek has matured, mm-hmm. and so the, I think the jokes were or were meant to be well, you know, they're a little bit not so uh, not so rapidly delivered, and I think that whole scene of him throwing off uh, throwing out the contemporary slang was just to show, hey, you know, this this guy who's normally really funny with his slang, and he even proves it later on in the film that he's quite funny at, at his zings. He just couldn't do it because it was like, he was trying to be so hard to be this modern, young, hip-type kid, mm-hmm. but he's he's actually a much older older guy. And you know how older people like myself, if I tried to be hip, i just come <laughs> off as being disingenuous. <laughs> and, you know, it just it's horrible. <laughs> I think it was just the way it was written, though, and what you expect from Shrek. It it didn't land right as maybe it should have. Now, granted, you know the film was still a success and all, but I, for me, out comparing it to the other two by now, it's just like that. Even for being forced, it just it felt a lot of place. Just like the other thing, which I I like the song, I get the scene, but did anyone else feel just a little bit awkward? that they were singing live and let die for the funeral <laughs> possession of the frog. I I'm like out of all the songs that have the word die in it. Yep. Part of anything that could be used as a funeral song. Yeah. That'd be more humorous. They picked that. And I'm like, I, this is maybe a joke that's looked good on paper. Don, what about that scene too? That joke. That was another one. I think that just was really off the mark. I, I didn't get that as, and as a matter of fact, that kind of set a tone that I noticed throughout the entire movie. The music was, the music wasn't quite as on. 
mm-hmm. it was there was just a something slightly not right as not as right about the music as there had been in the previous two movies. The other two movies were like, oh, spot on. The music was right. They had no problem getting the exact perfect song for the exact perfect scene. And this one is like, um, well, okay. <laughs> but I, throughout the whole movie, it was that way. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. It was. There was a few que- few of those jokes where I knew they were supposed to be jokes, but I was like, why they go that angle? How about you, Paul, with "Live and Let Die" song? Did that just feel off? I I was looking at it as a, as being a message rather uh-huh. than trying to them be try to be funny. I thought it was just sort of the kind of the storytellers telling Shrek that he's got to move on and and accept the death and 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 you know, right? But. And that's why I took. I didn't even take it to be as it was meant to be funny either. So I guess that's why I didn't see it as being out of place. But even then, it's not Shrek's dad. It's Fiona's dad, and that really pulls the focus away from that. That pulls back to what I was saying at, at, at when we started the chat was this movie was very much about focusing on the king. And focusing about how Shrek is now the king, but actually it should have been Fiona as the bloodline, as the daughter. Why are we focusing on Shrek's last? Fiona just lost her dad. Yeah. And she's, she's technically there. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Which, so was, yeah. that really bothered me. Yeah, that didn't quite follow with me either. I'm like, she's technically would be the heir. I mean, he would be king, but she'd actually be the ruler. You know, it was like yeah. not set up quite right, you know, with the way they set it up in the film. And and for me, if you're taking that serious point, and I see your points, Paul, on that, and, it, and I can see it if you, you approach it like that, but with the way it's directed and, and kind of handled with the frogs singing it, um, I think if they didn't have the frogs singing it, I would have probably got more of the angle that you went for that you got out of it, Paul. For me, I didn't get that because they had the frogs singing it. And I'm like, oh, it's funny. The frogs are singing the song. And then you're like, but the song they're singing, what <laughs> you know, for so um, but no, if you approach it that way with a little bit more of the serious depth with that, then I can see where that might fit a little bit more. I just thought that maybe they could pick different, maybe different song for that. Cause yeah, the, the, just like the rest of the songs, unlike the other two, I agree with Don. They didn't quite have that impact um, outside of the immigrant song with snow white, which was very fitting uh, and Barracuda and Barracuda, you know, that, that section again, that was like my favorite section of this film. <laughs> really? Uh- about about that song, I think they it would have been better if they would have played like "It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday" by Boys yes. to Men. I think that would have been a better choice of song to and play at that point. Yeah, especially for what they were going to for in general in the setting mm-hmm. and the tone of the the film and and what they're going for. Then yeah, that would have that would have worked a lot better, I think, uh, on it. But again, uh, the people directing this were not involved in the first two oh. as well. So that makes sense. The two people listed for directing this, Raman, uh, Raman Hui, uh, 
and uh, who's the other one? Uh, Chris Miller. This is the first Shrek film they've directed. So you've got a different crew behind the scenes, basically. Um, Which may explain why they didn't have quite the uh, dynamic with the music, because uh, as different directors, they may have had a harder time getting the music they actually wanted. Well, and in general, with, with doing a third film in an animated franchise, getting that sold had to be tough. Mm. You know, even though it made lots of money. I mean, the first one, though, had a budget of uh, 60 million and it made 484 million. Yeah. So, so they're right there. Oh, okay, we're going to make a sequel. Which, why would you make a third one? Well, the, fir- the second film went on to make $919 million. Okay, we're going to do a third one. <laughs> But whether or not they, you know, they had enough there. Now, I like the fact that we get to see what happened to Prince Charming after the second one. And I I dug the villains. I actually kind of wanted to see more of the villains besides just Charming. Uh, Paul, how'd you feel about the villains in this? And, and, you know, we have our uh, fairy tale villains in this. How'd you feel about them? Uh, I I felt that they were going to do a lot more with it, uh, especially when they showed the uh, Cyclops with his daughter. And Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, they're going to they're going to show us they're they're going to do what they promised us at the beginning of the film, which was they're going to show the other side of the story, the villain side of the story. And it just didn't pan out as they didn't do it enough for me. And and I wish they would have, but instead they they were focused more on the the fatherhood story, and and that was okay. I did I dug that, but mm-hmm. I think it would have been more interesting to see that the villain side of the story, and then having uh kind of like villains' rights, you know, and and just have more, uh, you know, that type of story. It would have been interesting. It would have changed. It would have changed the tone of the film, I think, too. In the dabble at that idea of the yeah. villains and you even get a whole musical number about hey we need <laughs> we need our side of the story you know that big prince Mar- charming speech and we get bits and pieces near the end but yeah that would have kept things i think even more interesting would you think don if they maybe would have with the third film we've explored the hero angle kind of enough and i know they're going for the parent thing but maybe playing off of the villains a little more or getting at least to see a little bit more besides them fighting and being uh prince charming's bitch basically i i think i think it would have been a much better movie if they would have focused on the perspective from the villains and canned the fatherhood aspect for the next movie i i mm-hmm. I, I don't think they went far enough with either of those uh, with either of those aspects, um, and I, uh, um, hmm. I understand that uh, Shrek as an ogre, being the traditional villain, would be would is is a good thing as far as being the setup for installing Artie as the king because he's the traditional good king, King Arthur. But uh, exploring how the other villains were would have definitely made a more solid story. Yeah, I, I wasn't impressed with the fatherhood storyline at all. Well, no, I mean, I, I could see if, like you said, it would be fitting for the fourth one because the fourth one we get the babies in that. 
Um, and him dealing with fatherhood there would have made almost more sense than, you know, the expecting father. It almost felt like they were trying to do a little too much in this one uh, to yeah. touch on too many things, which the other ones, the focus, it seemed to be a lot more focused in the first two films. Would you say that, Paul, that they, these were the first two films were a bit more focused maybe on what they were trying to deliver as yes. far as message and everything. And even down to the jokes were kind of focused on we're all plot driven. Yes, I, I agree. And I think that's, that's probably the curse of the third movie in a series mm-hmm. is because they always have to try to uh, top the previous one. And the previous one had to top the original. So at, at by the time the third one comes around, it's, it's like, we have to make it larger than life and we have to cover all these, all these things. And sometimes, uh, you know, a lot too much or a lot is not, is not a good thing. Sometimes it's better to, to, uh, keep it, keep it focused, keep it small, uh, keep it like the second one and mm-hmm. things would be better. Yeah. Cause the second one, it introduced the care new characters, but it, it introduced them gradually and not all those characters felt like they were trying to be main ones where in this one, some of these characters get enough screen time going, Oh, we're going to see more of them. And then you don't at all, (laughs) you you know, I mean, that, that's the way I kind of felt with that, uh, with this, you know, I don't mind them bringing new characters in and trying to keep it fresh. Like it's the, the princesses was, were enough, but then we get Artie and Merlin and then we get, these villain characters and it's just like holy crap you know i would have liked to see them do it you got ian mcshane doing the voice of captain hook i kind of liked that you know the, the his character i was like oh let's let's take a look at him a little more but but we don't you know <laughs> and well, and and not just him but you have uh another wicked stepsister yep so now you have the dynamic between those two. You have the one scene where Captain Hook, uh, when they attack the uh, when they attack the castle, Captain Hook is uh, mistaking a mother and her child as Peter Pan and Wendy. I mean, you have all these great beginnings and no follow through. Yeah, it, it's like ideas, and then we're just going to keep going, and then we go back to, um, you know, Artie and and Shrek sitting on a log discussing fatherhood or whatever which it's a touching moment but again it it goes along with what we've said before is that the tone of this film really is is different than the other ones uh not and that's the thing is this is not necessarily a bad film i enjoyed it but really compared to the other two i didn't enjoy this one as much i think because of those aspects the you know the animation was fine character development was fine in it uh you know how did you think they handled the other uh existing characters you think they just brought them in enough to remind you don of them but not you know overuse them because we've seen them already you know the pinocchio and the pigs and the cross-dressing wolf and <laughs> pretty much they were, they were just there so you didn't forget about them yeah it, and i think they used them enough you know i i kind of dug the uh uh, baby shower scene the fact that uh the wolf and the dragon was there we get to see the dragon again who actually was missing in number two if i remember correctly until the very or she, end or yeah mm-hmm. till the very end um you know you get her and y- you could even play with you get donkey 
with the baby dragons and we don't get much with that. Do we Paul? No, I mean, we really don't. I mean, uh, they, they did the one, I think really, I think that it was just like that was all a big setup for the, for the joke where, where uh, when they, they meet the kids, they free the kids and they go to the wrong dad because it, because they are body swapped. I think that whole scene earlier in the film was just to set up that one joke and it felt awkward. It really did. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did. And, you know, there there were moments where you had uh, Donkey talking a bit about fatherhood, but he doesn't add too much because no. and you think there'd been an opportunity for them to do that because apparently he's been around it enough. You know, he should have been the expert. He should have been able to get the guy that helps him out. Uh, he, he should have been giving more advice than what he was. Right. Uh, it, it played more of a part. And I think, you know as funny as Eddie Murphy is, they, they had an opportunity here to really have the roles reversed from the first film to where, you know, here we have the quote unquote sidekick, if you will, for lack of a better term, that donkey is his buddy being able to return the favor and, and you know, return something back to Shrek uh, and be the, be the more uh, knowledgeable one <laughs> than you know they were in the first film uh, don did you feel that way where they may have missed an opportunity with donkey to to kind of grow his character more definitely because parenthood has layers like a parfait yes <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> it does have layers like a parfait and so i i think they missed out a little a bit there. poopy layers po poopy yes. layers yes, yes. Yeah, the poopy layers, which you get a nightmare in here with uh, Shrek uh, having a nightmare about having babies, which, I, you know, that one, that part was kind of fitting. I kind of like that. And the, 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 the ogre never ended. It just kept going and going and going. <laughs> it did oh. go a little long, though. I, it's like we got the idea. Let's move on. You know, I'm not sure if they forgot maybe their target audience with this or they were hoping their audience was old enough to follow along do you think maybe that was it was yes. that they it, were trying a, to make a little more mature shrek yes i definitely believe that just just like how harry potter i loved the first uh, things of harry potter and as 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 the as he grew and and fit the audience that was following him i i liked it less and less because and and same with this film. I think they're trying to because their audience is getting older along with Shrek. And that's why I believe I believe that they were trying to make it the, the jokes a lot more older and and so forth. It, it, I think that that's exactly what they were trying to do. Would you say, Don, they're trying to make the more mature one? Because with this being the third in the franchise, uh, since the first one came out, I think in 2001 or two um, you know, their audience is growing older. 2001, you think they were just trying to make an older Shrek thinking the audience that's grown up with these wanted an older Shrek? I, you know, I, I definitely think it's possible, but I think they missed the mark. Uh, and I think they, um, I think they missed the mark and kind of skipped over going from the kids. I think they even skipped over going from the kids to the parents and jumped right to the grandparents uh, because some of the movies that were referenced in these scenes were things like Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, mm. Raising Arizona. Those are oh. not, I mean, those are a little older uh, 
those are definitely targeted for an older audience, but a little too old to be the kids. Right. Well, even the the Monty Python uh, coconut shell reference. You yeah. Know, <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's. I mean, yeah, young parents they're they're not going to get that because they're too young. Or even the uh, well, they might get it because I think Glee was out around this time. Uh, the the picture of the fairy god no Glee didn't come out for two years, so uh, mm-hmm. had don't stop believing. Had, you know, and it, you know because she's saying it's a direct reference to you know the the song that later would become really popular thanks to Glee. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but you have that in there that you know is for adults okay but the whole film didn't seem to it seemed to really be a little bit more uh trying to be more heady i don't know than what it was supposed to be uh because the first two films had a better balance i think of of everything in here and yeah and i i think we'll We'll wrap it up here soon. There's not a whole lot more to talk about an animated film on this. Uh, it's going to be a shorter episode tonight, but as I'm doing with all the third times of charms episodes, uh, we're going to do a little thing where we're going to go down our panel quick and ask them if third time is a charm or if maybe they should have stopped it too. Uh, and then so folks can give their final thought with this film. So Don, we're going to start with you. Is third time a charm? Yes or no and why? Um, God, no, not necessarily. Um, to be fair, I have not seen Shrek Forever After or anything that came after it yet. My kids were, uh, my, my kids were too old. They were not mm-hmm. interested in these by the time these came out. Um, I think there are definitely good things about this film. Um, but overall it definitely was a, it was definitely not and did not come close to being as strong as the first two, um, worth seeing. Sure. Um, but no, not, not the charm. Sure. And Paul, how about you? Is third time a charm with Shrek the third? Uh, specifically this film? No, it, it was not the charm. I think if they would have tweaked a few things and, maybe followed some of the suggestions that we might have made. I think <laughs> it would have made a, a very charming film uh, and would have made uh, Prince Charming a much better uh, character as well. So, Yeah, they kind of missed the mark with his character, too, that you could have seen a little more growth outside of just the revenge. I know. Angle. And in the end, he just ended being a one-note villain of getting the revenge the same thing he wanted in the first you know it's like he could have had daddy issues himself if they wanted to play the daddy angle you know there there was so much they could do yeah and it it just seemed like it was not nearly as focused and i have to agree in regards to this film while it's not bad you can watch it it's not a horrible watch by any means for me the third time was not a charm either i the change in tone was just odd. And while there were sections that I really enjoyed, the potential I saw for it really was there, but it seemed that they took the easier or, you know, less creative way uh, to go about some things in here. 
that you know had that charm for the first two films so is it is it a horrible film no and are we getting another one yes <laughs> they are planning for a shrek 5 uh, which you're supposed to learn more about how shrek came to be uh and they're planning that for well it's in you know development hell probably but uh we're looking at um probably 2019 plus there's another puss in boots film which i haven't seen the spin-off puss in boots but uh makes me wonder how that character would have handled being in a movie all by himself i i like antonio banderas but i'm not sure if the shtick of the character would carry a full film so i've got to watch that yet um but you knew there were still going to be sequels after this because opening weekend for crying out loud, this film made $121 million <laughs> for an animated film. So, you know, there there is, for a lot of people, there is a formula there. But tonight for this panel, folks, third time is, is not exactly a charm with Shrek the Third. Though, again, the caveat, not a horrible film, just uh, misses a number of marks. So we'll wrap it up here tonight. I appreciate Paul and Dawn coming in and talking about this film. We'll go down the line quick where they can uh, find these lovely people at when they are not here. Go ahead, Dawn. You can find me at in the audience.net. Fantastic. And Paul? Uh, you can find me on the Astro Radio Z Network on a podcast called Film Jerks as well as Forsaken Film Reviews. Fantastic. And also you've got a, a, you're running a festival again this year, correct? Yes, we are. Our second year, it's the Northeast Wisconsin Horror Film Festival, second week of, uh, or second weekend of October. And we're, we're still collecting uh, some submission films and they're just, some of them are, 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 are fantastic. I'm, I'm looking forward to the lineup that we're going to come up with this year. So. Awesome. Awesome. So check that out, folks. You can find all their stuff at specialmarkproductions.com. And on Facebook, we've got a new group. We're consolidating a bit. So head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash SMPRD. That's the Special Mark Productions group where you can even uh, give your opinions and episodes here, things you'd like to see. Uh, the pages we have will eventually be going away because we want to do a little more interaction, which the group allows us to do. So check that new group out there. Uh, we are on the Twitters as well. Uh, Spoiler Room PDCS or Special Mark PRO. So Special Mark Pro for the Twitters. Uh, you'll find us there as well. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoy this. And uh, we look forward to bringing you the next Third Times a Charm film, as well as check out the rest of our mature animated film month here on March. All kinds of great things going on. And you can keep it right here and tune in. So say goodnight, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.